If you're looking for the best horror, thriller, sci-fi and WTF audio fiction this side of the apocalypse, then you should listen to The Other Stories. With over 500 stories on the podcast feed already and news stories dropping every single Monday morning, The Other Stories is your new best friend. Check out The Other Stories today on any and all podcast platforms or head to theotherstories.net. After all, these aren't the stories your mother used to tell you. These are The Other Stories. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to The Horror Hangout, a podcast where film fans watch the best and worst horror movies of all time and talk about them. Today's episode is a little bit different from the usual format. It's a bonus episode chatting to a director of one of the films premiering at Frightfest Glasgow later this month. My name is Ben Errington and I'm joined by Lynn Davison, the director of eerie folk horror film Mandrake, which has its world premiere at Frightfest Glasgow on Saturday the 12th of March. Welcome to the show, Lynn. Thank you very much for having me. No problem at all. I hope you're doing well. I'm doing very well. All movie biz, all good for me. <laughs> Wonderful. So glad, so glad to hear it. So thanks very much for joining us. First of all, congratulations on Mandrake. Thank you very much. I'm very proud of it. You should be, you should be. Uh, so before we get started, uh, here's a brief synopsis for the film. Probation officer Kathy Madden is given the task of rehabilitating notorious killer Bloody Mary Laidlaw back into society after 20 years of jail. Kathy has always believed that every client deserved a shot at redemption, but her beliefs are firmly tested when two children disappear near Mary's farm. Okay, so I guess we should jump off quickly then, Lynn, if we could just um, ask where you're from and what's your filmmaking background? So I'm from Northern Ireland. Um, most people only knew Belfast, so I'll say Belfast. Uh, I wanted to work in films since I was about six years old. Uh, I was allowed to watch so many films that I shouldn't have been allowed to watch. I was watching Alien and Aliens and T2 and Terminator and, and The Thing and Jaws and everything. And although they didn't traumatize me too heavily, they really did inspire me. And the, the bug for filmmaking really happened when I would get scared and my mom would tell me, did not worry that there was a team of people behind the camera and it was all fun and games. 
And then when it came to the point that I was, you know, deciding what I wanted to do with my life, it was just so clear. I was like, I want to make movies. Uh, I don't care what it takes. I'm just going to do it. So then I studied. I studied for about five years and then I started to be work as a camera assistant. Um, my first few films that I worked on were some pretty low budget, dodgy horror films which uh, were really fun. I actually, I found the DVD for the first uh, horror film I ever wor worked on the other day. It's called Red Mist, um, but it was great fun. Wow. So, so you just wanted to become one of those t members of the team who worked behind the scenes. Uh, yeah. yeah. Kept, I'm kept... always with the goal to make my own films. You know, I think it's always my goal to be James Cameron, but James Cameron, you know, around about Terminator and T2, not now. <laughs> <laughs> not now with the... All the Avatar sequels. God, James, <laughs> calm down. I mean, for, for his sake, I really hope that they turn out really well. <laughs> but yeah. it's just madness. Yeah, that's insane. So no plans for Mandrake 2, 3, 4, 5 and 6 at any point? Well, we did discuss the possibility of a prequel because oh, in okay. some of the prop documents, we were able to write down kind of the in you know the crime uh, scene you know, overview of what happened on that night with with Mary, but when she was arrested. So we developed a really cool story. So we were talking about possibly doing that, but we'll see if we do well. You know, if if the audience yeah. wants it, then we'll do. Of course, that sounds really interesting. I think. Um... As this, so this was your debut feature, um, which I was kind of surprised by just at the technical from the technical aspect of the film itself. How was the experience of making it? Was the production of it affected at all by COVID-19 lockdowns and things like that? Oh my goodness, yes, we were very affected. We were actually meant to shoot earlier in the year, but because of COVID, we then just developed the script a little bit more and then went in full throttle uh, in at the end of uh, 2019. So we were shooting in the height of winter. Uh, the majority of our scenes are outside and knee deep in mud. And we, uh, the house that we primarily shot in, you know, it was a house that uh, wasn't derelict, it was for sale, um, but there was no heating or anything in it. So we were all very cold and uncomfortable but we had such a camaraderie between us you know I always approach any any avenue of work with somebody with respect and you know I always want people's mm. input and what we're doing and you know people really got on board with what I was trying to do with the film and I was trying to say and uh, I think a lot of people were really blown away by what we were able to achieve um, you know it's it's a triumph of ingenuity that we were, you know, the, up against everything, low budget and COVID, that we actually made a film. Um, we were very fortunate because we were we had a threat of COVID one day on set, but we didn't get shut down once. Whereas a friend of mine who was making his debut feature at the same time was shut down about three times at least. Um, and he oh, kept yeah. praying that I would get shut down as well so he wouldn't feel as bad, but... I never, never did. Wait, wait, did you say he kept praying that you would get shut down as well? Yeah, yeah. If I mean, I'm going down, I'm taking everybody else down with yeah. me, that sort of attitude. I, I would have done the same thing. I might have sabotaged him. Sabotaged, <laughs> got COVID and just ran headlong into the... Yeah. <laughs> like a little outbreak monkey onto their set. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. That monkey. Uh, so, sorry, in slightly... Um, distracted so what was that initial inspiration for mandrake how did folk horror i guess both modern and folk and classic folk horror how did that shape the idea for the film because i kind of saw influences on the screen from both 
modern and classic folk horror? I mean, I was I was raised on genre. You know, it was it was you know every night was movie night in my house, and uh, we loved genre pieces. Um, but modern horror that I took great inspiration from was The Witch and Hereditary and Midsummer, and also the first season of True Detective was a big inspiration as well. Um, mm. But it. Uh, it all came about really. I was living in England for a short period of time and then I came back to Northern Ireland and I contacted the development executive at Northern Ireland Screen and said, I'm, I'm back. Is there anything that you think I might like that anybody's you know, working on at the moment? And she said, yes, I have something. It's a horror. You love horror, don't you? I was like, yes, I do. <laughs> so um, I was put in touch with the writer and I actually went into that blind because the development executive had explained to me what the story was loosely. And so when Matt sent me the script, he basically just sent it to me and said, read it and we'll meet up. So when I met up with Matt, when we were started to chat about it, something really beautiful happened. Whereas, you know, we realized that we wanted to make exactly the same film. <laughs> oh, wow. And, you okay. know, I got everything he was trying to say. And, you know, it so much resonated with me, the, the themes of motherhood and fertility and, you know, reclaiming your motherhood and stereotypes. And I just we we just find that we, we needed to work together and then I contacted a friend of mine who I've always wanted to work with who's our producer Paul Kennedy and told him he would really dig the film as well and then the next time I spoke to him he had optioned it so it all happened really quickly for me and so, kind of steadily yeah. but I must say that you know prior to that there was about 10-15 years of really slogging it out and networking mm, and mm making shorts for nothing <laughs> there we go it has paid off um i was also going to ask so the film it feels very rooted in reality are there any parallels between real women and the characters of kathy and or mary either of those two i think you know um i became the guardian of my niece when i was 25 and um you know the themes of motherhood and claiming motherhood uh, they were very close to my heart. So I was able to put a lot of myself into the dynamics of these two women who were very different mothers and mm -hmm. how almost it was a prize at the end of it to find yourself within, uh, within that responsibility. And so, you know, I was able to inform it a lot from my personal experience, which is, you know, it's always handy. It's always much more genuine. Um, you know, I feel like that comes across to the audience more than anything else. Um, you mentioned about nature, you know, nature was just integral to the film. You know, I wanted the, the nature of the magic to be that Mary was exploiting what was around her. You know, it wasn't that it was this kind of separate thing, like this mystical thing that she could pull from. It was something that kind of came from the earth and from the ground and she surrounded herself in it and embodied it um because it i've mentioned this a few times now but i didn't want it to be not bashing the film um but the the new craft film it was all sparkly magic <laughs> I oh did... yeah it was incredibly sparkly <laughs> wasn't it yeah <laughs> yeah i didn't want my magic to be sparkly i wanted it to be soil and blood <laughs> Yeah. Okay. I mean, that that does that does come come across, I think, to the audience in terms of, um, I mean, also talking about, um, I guess myths and legends because obviously there is a story throughout of a witch designed to scare children. Did you grow up with any stories like that of your own that perhaps would have influenced this in any way? 
Well, you know, growing up in Ireland, you're surrounded by these ghostly stories and monsters. And, you know, often every night I would be convinced that I would I was hearing a banshee outside my window because I've been told so many stories about a banshee. Um, but, <laughs> you know, nothing like we were always taught there was a house at the bottom of my road and um, it was derelict. And we were told that a witch lived in there and we weren't to go into it. And my brother and I, um, you know, scallywags that we were, we would go into this house, of course. And uh, what I now know was a badger's den seemed like a hole in the ground, like a hell mouse. <laughs> oh, God. And so that was quite scary. Yeah. So I feel like this is all of this has been with me. I was a very kind of dark child. <laughs> I've been living <laughs> with me for a long time, and it's wonderful to have the means to express it in a, in a way that. Oh I yeah, do. definitely. I think you have to channel sort of those things that perhaps traumatized you, not massively, yeah. but sometimes in a some way as a as a child, channel those things into yeah. your art as you it's become a much an adult. More enjoyable form of therapy. <laughs> It is. And it's free. Well, for the most part, it's free. Yeah, uh, and you're lucky you make money from it. So, you know, that's good. Wow. I didn't think of it like that. There we go. <laughs> uh, I've got a question. This is from one of the one of the other guys who hosts a podcast with me, um, Andy. He asked me because he's seen the film as well. So he said, Deirdre Mullins in particular has some physically grueling scenes in the film how did you set the scene on the shoot to help her pull these scenes off and how does she cope with being in those particular situations Deirdre is an athlete you know she (laughs) she loves like she you know rides motorcycles she loves stage combat you know any opportunity as soon as the stunt coordinator arrived on set she was just nothing else mattered other than what he was saying you know she was just so invested in it and you know when we were going through uh, certain scenes you know she said that she was overwhelmed at times by my references you know there's a, a moment in the film I don't actually think it made the cut but um, yeah. I remember saying to her I was like you know very seriously I was like okay this is your trinity moment this is trinity at the beginning of the matrix you know you need to get yourself up you need to get going and, you know otherwise you're going to die and uh you know, she just, she loved that. She just couldn't believe how many times I would just hit her with some cool. Wow. Like, uh, later in the film when she's carrying Jude Hill, um, our very famous Jude Hill now, um, I kept referencing aliens. You know, that's this is you carrying Newt. I, yeah. I, it. I mean, he's a little bit big to be carried, but I was like, no, I, this uh, needs to be in there. <laughs> you got to do it. You got to do it. Uh, so there's no bullet, no bullet time while she was Trinity then at all. Unfortunately the not. Maybe next time. Maybe in the Maybe next time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I really believed her as a probation officer, especially in that like first scene where mm-hmm. she turns up. I was a bit like, I'm totally sold by by this performance. Um, I feel like if I was not, that I've done any time, but you know, I feel like if I had and she turned up, I'd be like, oh god, <laughs> here we go. Uh, <laughs> again. Um, I guess. <laughs> My next question is, in an ideal world, what, how would you hope your audience would feel watching Mandrake and what would you like to send them away with after they've seen the movie? I love, I, you know, the, I really wanted the, the audience to be unsettled by the film. I wanted it to challenge their sensibilities of, you know, what, what these relationships are within our lives and, and what people are capable of. You know, I think one thing that was always important to me was that Mary wasn't the, you know, mustache twirling villain. She is a complex human being. You know, there's a lot of gray there. 
she knows what she's doing is wrong um but she has to do it and you know it mirrors nature in itself nature is beautiful and can be caring but nature is brutal and you know she is almost a human representation of that for me so i want people to walk away thinking well, for one, what, what the fuck was that? And two... Uh... <laughs> I mean, it's great two. to think that at any point, walking out of the cinema or... <laughs> yeah, as long know. as it turns out to be a positive, I hope I don't end up on your terrible horror movie list. <laughs> well, when I, read, when I read that at the start, it tends to be like, it's the classic, like the absolute worst of the worst that we've covered before. But I was saying recently, we only seem to cover stuff that we like lately. So I think we've properly veered into the watching the best horror movies Good, from yeah. now on almost everything you listed in terms of stuff you saw that you shouldn't have seen at the start are like my favorites and stuff that i also saw at that sort of age as well so i can yeah they're all my favorite films like i, I think... have my thing t-shirt on yes it. it's amazing really yeah. <laughs> got but, me the best one um yeah. sorry and i think you, know, you have to carry you have to carry your favorite films with you you know and they inform everything mm do there's a particular moment later in my film and my first ad was he's a big horror fan as well and we were trying to communicate everything very quickly and you know somebody's found after doing something to themselves and i was like it's just like that moment in the thing and he's like gotcha and then he would you know be able to so i had so many people on set that just knew exactly what i was talking about and that's always yeah. what i'm looking for you know that's good yeah. isn't it nothing's yeah. worse when you explain something from one of your favorite movies and someone says i've never seen it yeah and you go, mm, i don't well, know if we can be I'll, friends yeah a lot of the time when someone tells me they haven't seen something that's so important to me and is so famous i just wonder how did you avoid it where, where were you like yeah what were you doing with your life Were you playing with toys like a normal child <laughs> making friends what were you doing <laughs> I was just in a dark room, okay, just watching all of John Carpenter's best. Yeah. I lived in the middle of nowhere, you know, this was all you had to do. <laughs> I love the thought of every night in your house being movie night as well. That is something that um, yeah. I think is that something that you kind of proceed with in like now and obviously far more busy. Um well, yeah, I mean stuff. Uh absolutely. I, I always try and I always watch something every evening. Um, I've been playing a lot of Xbox recently. So right now I'm playing Outlast 2. Um, so that's kind oh of taking a bit of time. I, how are you finding that? Because that's I, I love horror games, but that's one of the ones I almost feel like is too much. Well, do you know, it hadn't actually frightened me until <laughs> last night. And oh, uh, okay. I think suddenly something happened. And, I, oh, um, and then that just made me want to play more. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's just, it's just super feeling... Grim. Yeah. super grim and you feel helpless because you can't really fight because yeah, you can't like, fight or do anything which is um you know comparatively for because i play assassin's creed you know comparing to that where you could kill everybody it's uh, <laughs> you know i just have to car and hide and run um but you know it's very good the only the really unsettling thing about that game is that the lead character in it that you're searching for is called lynn so oh. everybody keeps saying lynn and all these horrible things are happening to to lynn apparently wow terrifying yeah i don't think i've played the second one only the first i believe uh okay so what is what is next for you have you got anything else lined up in terms of making another film um and have you have you learned is there anything particular you've learned from the process of making mandrake that you would like to take forwards into your next project 
Well, uh, there's a few things I've learned from it. Um, one in particular is you got to make sure that you're working with the people that understand you and speak your language. You know, I we, we touched on that a moment ago, but like the producer that I worked with that I had known for years, he's like us. He loves all the same films. And, you know, you have a shorthand with people like that and they really can fight your corner because they know what you're going for. So I think that's one of the fundamentals. Another would be to cut yourself a little bit of slack when it comes to how you present a scene, whether a scene can be consolidated maybe into one location or, um, you know, just to make things a little bit easier on you. Uh, like certain certain elements in the film, there's uh, a point where there's a closed door and we can just hear violence behind the door. Initially in the script, that was all on screen, but mm -hmm. I just, I thought it was much more haunting that we didn't see it. It's like the shark and Jaws, you know, if you don't see it, it's much more terrifying. So I, I want to bring those elements into it a lot more um, with everything that mm -hmm. I do. Uh, so currently I'm attached to uh, a remake from uh, a 90s horror film, which I'm not allowed to talk about any further than that. <laughs> wow. How exciting. Yeah, it's very exciting. So, um, you know, that, that's kind of ticking ticking in the background, you know, it's, it's pretty cool, pretty exciting. See, all, um, these que all these questions just popped into my head then, but then you said, <laughs> I can't say anything, so I'm yeah, not even going to... Not <laughs> not yet, anyway. I'm not going to start guessing and then just <laughs> gauging your reaction and going, wow, hmm, interesting. <laughs> um, but I also, um, I went through script development with Northern Ireland Screen on a post-apocalyptic horror sci-fi that, that I've written. And um, oh, wow. I optioned by Star Child Pictures, who did his house on Netflix. So oh, wow, yeah, we are moving forward with with that, and I am extremely excited. It's most it would be the most important project to me right now. It's very close to my heart. I did think it was actually going to be my first feature, um, mm -hmm. but you know the stars didn't align on that one. And I think for the best, you know, I want mm -hmm. I wanted more experience to, to get it right, and also I want a bigger budget to get it right. So. Mm. It was obviously meant to be then, uh, if that's the case. The stars didn't align then, but now they seem to be aligning for you at this point. So very exciting. Um, I guess finally, I'd just like to ask, where can our listen listeners find more from you or keep up to date with any of these new projects? Well, um, I have a, a public profile on Instagram. Um, and I also, you can check out my website, which is just lindavison.org um but you know you'll you'll hear from me again i'll be back wonderful i'm sure i'm sure about it uh we'll put all the links um to your to those websites in the show notes as well so if you're listening and you'd like to find out more then please do that um so yeah so thanks very much for listening if you enjoyed the show become a patron over at patreon.com forward slash horror hangout thanks to kovach kama for our theme music thanks to acast for her for hosting the show and thanks of course very much to you lynn davidson it's been great Thank you very much. It's been great fun. Wonderful. Uh, okay. See ya. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.